Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. On location this week at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Annual Convention taking place in Kansas City, Missouri. It's been an interesting week. Once again, you know, we had a lot of roller coasters within the trade, a lot of factors that were kind of feeding into what we saw. We're going to take a look at what's happening in the basis, South America, cattle on feed report that came out on Friday, along, of course, what we know has been the continued grain negotiations for shipments out of Russia and Ukraine. Stick around, we got a lot more coming up on today's episode. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me is Kyle Bumstead and Jeff Peterson. Kyle with Allendale and Jeff with Heartland Farm Partners. And I think to, to sum it up, it definitely has been kind of a topsy-turvy kind of week. I've never seen uh, that much volatility going on in the trade. And Kyle, I want to start with you because we had a big report come out on Friday. But first of all, this cattle market, for the longest time, we couldn't decide if you want to be positive or negative on the week. Well, that's right, Susan. And uh, we ended the week on a very positive note. Uh, we took out some very, very good uh, levels here on a closing basis here in both the December and the February live cattle. Of course, December going in delivery very soon and February being the, live, the uh, front month contract now with the volume and the open interest. But cattle on feed came out here the uh, Friday afternoon. The uh, on feed number was 98%. The placements were 93.9% uh, and the marketing's at 1006 So the marketings were kind of right in line with where we where the trade was uh, anticipating them. But uh, looking here at the uh, placement number, that was the lowest, I believe, uh, for the month of October, dating clear back since the series started in 1996. So uh, the on-feed number, that's one of the lowest numbers we've seen here for November 1 as well, too. But uh, I want to uh, kind of dig into it a little bit further. The uh, number of cattle we placed on the lighter end of things still uh, trending upward or still a bigger number. I'd like to see that uh, kind of work down. I think we will over time here as we get work through these calves and, and these cows come in off grass and get weaned and we uh, start heading to town. But um, long term, it does look friendly, but I think our on-feed numbers could slightly work higher here in the future. Does that make you nervous, though, when you talk about some of the lowest numbers we've seen in November? Somewhat, yes. Uh, it does make me a little bit nervous, and I just keep thinking back the last few months. Uh, we've uh, placed a lot of cattle early, so there's going to be quite a few uh, cattle to come out and uh, hit the rails here, uh, you know, that first and second quarter, and, and I don't think we'll quite be worked through it here by the end of the first quarter. I think by the second quarter, we're going to be through it if we keep up with this slaughter pace, but I really do think that uh, we do need to keep an eye on the demand as far as beef goes and uh, what the retail charge and things like that. It really doesn't matter what the, what, what the price of a steak costs if the consumer doesn't have money to pay for it. Definitely. Now, Jeff, from a flip side of that, from a grain perspective, if you're seeing lower numbers in a November cattle on feed report, means there's not much uh, mouse to feed with the grain that we're producing. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. And we've been watching that close because all eyes are on the demand. You know, we get to this time of year, the whole discussion about supply and we get the November report behind us and we won't get an update until as we get out into January. So the focus does shift over to just how much demand is there. We had some really good export demand numbers this week, but our overall feel, and this is, was really interesting to listen to Kyle, is that we thought we'd actually see down the road the feed number go up higher. And so we're going to have to watch that close based on what we're seeing on that cattle and feed number. Our logic behind that was the fact that there has been a lot of cattle that's had to go in the feed yard because of the 
dry conditions that we've had out there. We also know that ultimately in, in many of those areas, they've also had, you know, because of the dryness, uh, their hay prices and, and the lack of availability to some of that also drives them to be very conscious about, you know, need to incorporate more corn in the ration. We also know as you get down into Kansas, um, also because the, the wheat crop and where that was at, there wasn't quite as much feed wheat out there either. So those things all come together. So we're hopeful down the road that we'll end up seeing some some bigger you know numbers come on the cattle on feed side and ultimately drive some better feed demand down the road. You know, so that that's what we're keeping a close eye on the demand side, Susan. What are you looking at for basis then right now? Well, you know, basis has been so strong and, and it really comes back. If we just sum up what's going on there is that um, obviously Kansas, they, they were short bushels. Some would say they're short 180 to 200 million bushels that needs to be sourced, you know, outside of those areas because the size of the crop. It's amazing as we look at the Nebraska number when we, we studied what the production was and, and how much um, we look back, the September quarterly stocks report was there. You know, we'd suggest that Nebraska's a couple hundred million bushels lower than there was for stocks last year. And overall, we, we see this basis number still getting stronger. But what I'd caution everybody on is that there is a point in time in here where this basis will go ahead and peak out. You know, is it possible that, uh, you know, when we consider from December through, say, March, that that happens in that December time frame? It's possible. So don't be afraid of letting some bushels go on the basis side on the corn in here to maybe a little bit sooner than you'd like. We, we think as we get out into April, May, that basis will be stronger. You know, as we get out in the summer months, it just really, really depends on on ultimately how the demand looks at that time. But then we come back and look at the bean basis. And and honestly, the bean crush margins are phenomenal right now, Susan. So we, we think there's room for to see a stronger basis level yet on the bean side as we go forward. So Kyle, how does this basis weigh in for, for you guys as, with the uh, being end users of this grain? Well, yeah, obviously it uh, it hurts when you're trying to buy cash grain. Um, I know here in central Nebraska, here even local co-ops are 40 to 50 over because they're competing with feed yards and the ethanol side of things here. So really on on these uh, on dips like we've just seen here, we we got down to some chart uh, levels here on the 657. Uh, the March corn, we got to some retracement levels here. And so there was a little bit of end user procurement down there. Not, not too terrible much, but there was a little bit of buying there on the cash side if their basis worked in their favor. Now, uh, th that's really tough because a lot, a lot of places where the board did drop, the basis didn't change. The cash price didn't change at the local co-op, whether you're selling or buying corn, it stayed the same, whether the futures dropped or not. And in fact, this week here, uh, if you look at like a theoretical calculation versus the uh, December futures here, December corn is actually running about 10 cents over uh, basis, where a year ago we were about 13 to 13 and a half cents under December futures. And the case of soybeans, we're about uh, 25 and a half, I believe, under uh, the January futures, whereas a year ago we were around 38 to 40 under the January futures. So it does speak that uh, you have that demand in, in very strong and you can see that through the spreads where we have inversions or very little to no carry in the corn market all the way out and also getting a little bit of a look at that uh, commercial uh, thought process behind south america's production by looking at that march day uh, soybeans and, and we really haven't heard and both of you i want to kind of get your thoughts on this we really haven't heard a lot out of south america lately about how dry it is except for chile i, I saw some reports about it being so extremely dry there kyle what are you hearing about crop development right now well, it's it's very 
I, I guess I'm looking more uh, at a market structure and what the commercials are thinking here by looking at that March to May bean spread. And I've heard all kinds of weather reports about how dry it is. And it's kind of like our weather. It's dry and then there's rain in the forecast and it's dry and then there's rain in the forecast and it's dry. And, and you know, it just depends on how long that dryness stays there and, and uh, how much rain actually falls. But looking at that March to May bean spread carry at about six percent, uh, six cents carry from March to May kind of tells us that South uh, that uh, the commercials are worried about South America's crop here and there's only 20% carry. So that's the one that we really need to watch because March March through May timeframe is their harvest timeframe while we're trying to get our crop in the ground here. Right. So Jeff, with your context, what are you hearing about the dryness? Yeah. So as, as we dig into it overall, what we'd say is you break it apart into Brazil and then in Argentina. Brazil is actually in really good shape. Might be a little bit of dryness down the very southeast corner. Now we are seeing some drier conditions in Argentina. As a result, you know, that actually slowed up some of their planning progress for a while, but but they're back going. Overall, they're still on our watch list there, but here's the, the way we kind of see it. Um, as we look up to Brazil, we, we think any problems that could happen in Argentina probably can be overcome by some better than conditions uh, that actually could mean, you know, above trend yields coming out of Brazil. And just a couple notes here, Susan, um, actually the current forecast that USDA has just for Brazil would suggest that they could produce over 500 million bushels more than what they produced last year on the corn side and over a billion bushel more beans on the soybean side. So if we want this futures market to move higher as we go down the road, we're going to have to see some dry conditions develop greater than what we have currently, because right now we're all say that the conditions coming out of South America are supportive, positive Argentina, and then actually a little bit uh, negative coming out of Brazil. And, and so that, that's what the South American situation looks like to us, Susan. All right. As we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, gentlemen, let's kind of focus on Russia, Ukraine. We did get another little agreement, shall we say, in place. Um, but there's a lot weighing on that. Jeff, what are your thoughts? You know, there, there sure is. And, and boy, I really, I really feel my, my thoughts and my prayers go out to the Ukrainian people. It, it, they're getting the, you know, Russia's not able to make any progress with the ground troops. And so as a result, you know, they just continue to shell them. One of the things we ended up seeing this week on the 15th is that we did end up seeing how sensitive the market is when all of a sudden um, a, a supposed Russian uh, missile ends up in Poland. You can see how quickly the market takes off. Mm -hmm. Now, there's still some discussion on that missile, whether it actually was Ukraine shooting some type of old Russian missiles, you know, to shoot down one coming from Russia. I'm not quite sure what the whole story is there, but. The fact remains that it's kind of behind the market side. But the one thing we have to watch going forward, though, I think, is, you know, what are they going to be able to go ahead and get planted as we come into spring? We know we got the green corridor in place. We know it's going to be in place for 120 days. You know, it's going to come out of those same three ports around Odessa that it was before. But my bigger point becomes how much of a crop are they going to be able to get planted next spring? What is there going to be for money? And what is there going to be the ability to get bushels at that time produced for that next year, Susan? All right, Kyle, what are you thinking? I know as I talked to a Ukrainian farmer this week at this conference. They're still trying to think about getting a crop in the ground, getting it planted and, and moving forward into 23. Well, that's right. And uh, especially our uh, winter wheat over in that country as well, too. Uh, they're a big wheat producer over in that area. It's the breadbasket uh, uh, over there, uh, like we are here in the in the Western Plains. So uh, it's tough to say, but also what uh, kind of fertilizer availability are they going to have or be able to get a hold of and fuel availability and things like that, much like we're kind of seeing here as far as concern uh, stateside to some small amounts. Well, we talked a lot about great things this week, guys. I appreciate you for joining us on the show. 
You bet. Thanks a lot, yep. Susan. Thanks, All right, Susan. as you can see, Kyle Bumstead and Jeff Peterson joining us this week. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been this week's version of the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup here on the World Radio Network.